never on a silver platter. The naked truth of success. When I define my story of success, in my definition, all I can see is just the battlefield. My story started a long, long time ago. When I was still a little boy, I was raised by my grandmother. She taught me many things. And I connected with her. Nathani Marapo. The bond I had with her was so strong to the extent that I called her man. And as a child, I even adopted the culture of calling my mother with her totem, Mandlov. I remember I could run away from my parents to go and sleep with my grandmother. That is how much I trusted her. That is how much I adored her. But still as a child, she left too soon. She died. She left a huge gap in my heart. I was sad. I felt all alone. And no one came to me. And the time I tried to open up, to this amazing gentleman who happened to be my uncle Fuizione the dude adored me so much he taught me many things and the greatest thing that he's ever taught me which I'm still applying right now is how to stand up for myself but I remember a certain day a particular a special day where he came from the village to visit us. On that day, he taught me how to put on a tie. Oh boy, that was the greatest skill I've ever acquired. And still on that same day, to thank me for learning very fast, he took me to the supermarket. He opened that fridge and he asked me to choose whichever cold drink I wanted. Oh God, I said, uncle, choose for me. He said, choose for yourself. I gazed at all those possibilities. But I was attracted to orange juice because of its color. And then he bought himself Coca-Cola. As we were walking home, as a proud nephew of ours, I opened my can of orange juice. After one sip, oh God, I didn't enjoy the taste. I tried to bargain with my uncle so we can just change, so he can give me Coca-Cola and so he can get the, the, the orange juice. He said, no. You made your choice. Drink that juice until you finish it. Oh God. It was like the most difficult assignment ever. 
But eventually I finished the juice. And we went home. We went back to the village. Three days. I overheard my parents on a sitting parlor. My mother was crying. Saying my uncle had died. Saying that he only complained of a headache and he was vomiting blood. The feeling I had. I felt so crushed. I felt so alone. And the thoughts which are echoing in me as a child was. What have I done to deserve such? Why is it that people that I open up to are taken so early? Am I the angel of death or what? I cried on my corner. But I didn't want to show it to my parents because I was acting as if I'm a strong boy. But deep down I was bleeding. A few years later, I made it into Form 1. On that same week, the same weekend, on a Sunday, I found my friends with a stranger. The stranger was praying for my friends. I tried to join the prayer, but I was sidelined. Oh boy, I felt so rejected. After he was done with my friends, he came to me. He taught me about Jesus. And he prayed for me. Still on that same day, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I got involved in an accident. A car knocked me out of the road. And I injured my right arm. My humeral bone was broken. My friends left me there helpless. And I was apparently saved by the soldiers. They took me to the hospital. The only thing that I remember was opening my eyes and seeing my parents crying. Crying. As a child, I thought, oh God, am I dead or what is happening? And I was cancelled. I was told that I had a serious injury on my hand. Those three years were horrific. They were terrible. 2001, 2002, 2003. Because my arm was immobilized. Because I had a cast. I was operated twice. During that short period of time. And then I was encouraged to write more so as to improve the motor function of my hand but I couldn't be permitted or I wasn't permitted to perform other strenuous activities and as a consequence my friends left me I was with no friend I started reading more I started studying more I started practicing mathematics and God graced me as my IQ was increased. My IQ was increased. 
as time went by, I got accepted into the University of the Free State to pursue my medical career. Still, on my first year there, I failed all my first tests with a mark less than 30%. And the director called me into his office. He said, Lawrence, if you still want a chance, you have to pull your socks. Because if you fail your upcoming text, test, you are going to be excluded from the program. Oh God. The idea of going back to Botswana as a failure was unbearable. I prayed harder. I studied harder. And test twos came. I scooped a distinction in all of them. And then to fast forward, I managed to complete my medical degree. I then got a job, started my first job in Mahike. In 2015 in Mahike, I met the love of my life. My wife, the one I love the most. Everything was perfect. Our relationship was like a movie. I couldn't sleep without seeing her. I couldn't sleep without hearing her voice. And then end of the year, we realized she was pregnant. I was I had mixed emotions. I was happy at the same time I was scared. Pregnancy went out very normal. I was so excited to be a father. Then 2016, September on the 7th, she went into labor, took her to the hospital. She was shaking, expectant. I was told she was indeed in labor. 5 p.m. I came back, she was still in labor. Until around 6 o'clock, the doctor came, ruptured the membranes. And they said, no, they have to take it for cesarean section. I was so scared. I went to Caesar. It was like I was dreaming. It was like it was a dream. They pierced their through, took out the child. The child started crying. I nearly collapsed. Seeing my blood, seeing my flesh, my son, he cried. And I was told that he's having an extra digit. Out of happiness, I said, just tie it up. They took him to the Nazareth. While they were still uh, preparing the mother, suturing her, I went back to the Nazareth. I looked at, her, at him. I was amazed. He looked peaceful. I was so happy. I went back to my house at 8 p.m. But while I was sleeping there, I woke up around midnight, excited, but I don't know how and why I woke up. I drove back to the hospital. Upon my arrival, I was notified that there were some complications, that my child couldn't feed himself. Oh boy. I started, I, I had to wear my 
medical doctor suit. I examined him from head to toe. There were multiple deformities. We took him to ICU. It was like my heart was being pierced. See my child lying there, helpless. See my child lying there. I said, God, what does this mean? Few hours ago, I was excited. Now it's like I'm being pierced into the heart. That pain was unbearable. They did all the tests. And they said he had trisomy 9. I said, what? But what is the possibility of that? What are the chances of that? I read, I studied more on it. I studied more. I researched. And as I gathered literature, I realized that that condition was very rare. It was one in a million. That was the incidence. One in a million. I said, but why my child? Why my son? I looked at him. Doctors came, tried to encourage us that the prognosis is poor. That there was no chance that he wouldn't have a normal life. Week three, I made up my mind. I said, no. They don't believe in my son. They don't have faith in him. I signed RHT. I said, take out my child from the hospital. Let me go and try to save him at home. Took him out. We went home. First month, he was still feeding on a tube. Second month, he was still feeding on a tube. Then I said, no, 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 no. You are my son. I'm a fighter. My life is a battlefield. I took out the feeding shoe. Threw it away. I said, boy. You are going to suck this bottle. You are going to feed from this bottle. I started to gradually teach him how to feed himself. We fed him. We fed him. It was difficult. It was difficult. To the extent that we got excited if you could swallow 10 mule in three hours. Eventually he got the hang of it. He got the hang of it. But still... But still the denial, still that feeling that was saying, but why am I stand, was still echoing in my heart. The following year, God blessed us with another child. But I was still expectant on my first son. The first six months of his life, he couldn't sit, nor walk, nor crawl. The first year of his life, he couldn't sit, he couldn't walk. But one thing that I'm grateful of is that in the midst of it all, God moved me. In the midst of it all, opportunities came because through my son, I managed to establish my own private clinic, another day clinic. Through my son, I managed to, to establish my own disability center, Remorative Geriatrics and Disability Center. And through my son, I managed, or I was privileged to preach the gospel because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be preaching this gospel. 
because my child's condition it took me closer to God. My child's situation made my relationship with God to be intense. Never on a silver platter. This is my naked truth of success. Because when you pass through this skin that you see, when you pass through my success, all you find is skeleton, which are built on disappointment, which are built on rejection, which are built on loss. That is my naked truth of success. That is my naked truth of success. Never on a silver platter. 